There was a little girl once sitting in her living room, and uh, the sun was shining in through the window, and uh, she was playing. She had a corner of the living room set aside for some of her toys, and in this particular section of her toy area was a play kitchen, and she had a lot of her, her play kitchen toys there, and her dad was sitting not far away at the table working at his computer trying to finish out some things before... Uh, other uh, events called him away and feverishly typing and the daughter uh, a toddler not more than two years old approaches her dad and in her hand she has one of her most prized possessions of this little plastic donut and she walks over to her dad she looks up and the curls are uh, dripping down her face and a broad smile comes across toothy grin and she hands her dad this plastic donut and the dad pushes away from his computer turns and takes this donut from her and pretends to eat it. What do you think the daughter's response was? She squeals with delight. She starts jumping up and down and the curls are bouncing across her face and she's so delighted, so delighted that she turns around, runs back to her corner where her other toys are, grabs something else and she brings it into her dad and he pretends to eat it too. And again, she squeals with delight and jumps up and down so excited that her dad was enjoying the gifts that she had brought to her. And she did it again. For the sheer joy. And a fourth time. Because it was in the simple act of giving something that was meaningful to her, to her dad, that she got to watch the joy that came in that gift. It was a, an opportunity for a little daughter to connect her life and her heart to her father through a simple act like giving. You know, sometimes I talk to other pastors and they, they have a challenge uh, talking about giving. And I, I used to early in my ministry. It's always uncomfortable to talk to people about money and things like that. But as I continue to read the scripture and continue to learn about it, it is a subject that just comes up over and over and over again. Because the, the way our hearts are geared toward money and possessions tells so much, doesn't just tell so much, but it, it either frees us or imprisons us. It, it allows us to rejoice or it, we can be overwhelmed with things of sadness. Today we, we're starting a new series about giving. Three Sundays starting today about giving. And part of our time in three weeks, I hope that we're, we'll have at least explored, if not answered, some questions like these. What does the Bible really say about how much... We are to give. Because I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of sermons about tithing and giving, and sometimes they conflict, and sometimes I don't quite know exactly what is my responsibility if God is going to be pleased with my life. Sometimes uh, one of the questions we want to answer is, what does it mean to give, to give to God from our heart? What, what does that mean? We're going to look a little bit at that today. And how does God really see giving? How does God give or see the way that you give and I give. When you give to the church or to a charity or even to a friend in need, maybe even a stranger because you felt the Holy Spirit prompting you to give at that moment, does, does God notice? Does, is He somewhere taking an accounting and just writing down a ledger of your life? Does God come and at the end of each year sort of look at the balance sheet of what you've given over that year and and what, what does he do with that? Is, that? is that the way God views your giving? Could it be that, that when you and I give, 
that there's an opportunity there to actually delight the heart of God with the gift that you offer in a regular and ongoing way. What if, what if your giving was actually a personal gift to God? He received it as such. He received it like that girl giving the plastic donut to her dad. He received it. And when he receives it with joy because the gift is acceptable, then your heart can also rejoice. What if that's the way giving works? Because it draws our heart and connects our heart to God. Now we talk a lot about praying and connecting our heart spiritually to God through our prayers. And, and that's right. And we talk a lot here about reading our Bible and being in the Scripture and being part of a Bible study or in a small group and, and letting the Bible wash over us. And that certainly is a way that, that we connect our hearts to God. But giving is a very powerful and important way and a very ancient way that we are to connect our hearts with God. It's less about the rules It's less about just being faithful, but it's about more about connecting your heart with God and seeking through giving how you can do that. So if it's if it is that we give God personal gifts in that way, would God be pleased with what you give in a regular way? Would he be disappointed? I'm thankful today for the writings of Jeff Anderson that gave me great insight into this in the the weeks to come today. I want you to open your Bibles, would you, to Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to go to one of the early stories as we're learning how God is interacting with people. And we're going to see the very first giving encounter uh, when people were giving. And uh, we learn that sometimes our giving touches the heart of God and He delights in our gift. But there are other times that we give and our gift is not acceptable. And doesn't please him. Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read here the story, a well-known story of Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. And uh, we're learning um, in this uh, story, Genesis 4, there's a lot more that we could focus on today. But I want to shrink our focus just to the giving um, incident that happened. And um, let's begin reading. Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a farmer. And we pick up the story, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Father, we pray this morning that you would be our teacher and guide, that you would make your word just what it is, active in our ears and hearts, and that you would lead us to respond well and rightly to you. So speak to us now. May we be good hearers and doers Of your word, we pray, Jesus, now. Amen. Amen. So you might remember the rest of the story. Cain is upset. God didn't look favorably upon his gift. He's mad. Where's his his anger directed? We read the rest of the story. His anger was directed toward his brother. 
right? You ever known of a sibling rivalry? You ever had a sibling rivalry? I've got brothers four and a half years older than me. We're the best of friends now, but growing up, man, we'd get into these wrestling matches, and there was always a little kind of comparing of ourselves against each other. I, I know a little bit of sibling rivalry, but this was sibling rivalry to the max. In fact, Cain goes and kills Abel just in the next couple of verses. So if we were going another direction and focusing on some other things today, we'd focus on misplaced anger and Cain's inability to examine his own heart and to look in the mirror well at himself. But what we find here is Cain giving a gift that was not acceptable and Abel giving a gift that was acceptable. And that's really point number one is that not all gifts from God's point of view are the same. Not all gifts are the same. There is such a thing as an acceptable gift. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about a gift that is acceptable. It talks about uh, over and over through the Scripture about bringing things that are acceptable to God. Many times in the Bible. Things like Psalm 19.14. One of my favorite things that Pastor John Schaus used to do when he prayed uh, right before he preached was he would pray this prayer, God, may the, uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. May it be acceptable. Uh, Paul, in Romans chapter 12, he talks about uh, presenting our bodies, your body, as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing, acceptable to God. So over and over, we could go to a lot of other places, this idea of, of acceptable is, is used. And I don't know about you, but when I think of the word acceptable, I, I think about kind of, that's just barely good enough, you know. It's not exactly what I want, but it's acceptable, so therefore it's going to be okay. It's kind of like uh, we just sold one of our used cars. A family member gave us a car about a year ago, and uh, we just sold a used car. It's the first time I've ever sold a car through Craigslist. And so I put it on and couldn't believe all the emails I got and uh, the new people I got to meet. And three different people came to look at the car, and we finally sold it to the last one. Uh, the car had some problems. It ran great, but it had issues, there were window problems and door lock problems, and I was very upfront about it all, and I said, this is the price I want, and I don't mind negotiating, so we began to, to get into that, he offered me a price lower than, uh, it's already gone below what I thought would be my baseline offer, but I was really eager to sell it, and finally, um, you know, he said, would you take this much money, and, and I said no, and I was about to walk away, and finally he offered me my, my very lowest price, I said, deal, so I shook his hand, and we did the paperwork quickly. <laughs> and I said, see Now, he knew everything was wrong with the car. It was, uh, it was all right. But, you know, to me, that, that was an acceptable price. It was just good enough. That just barely met the threshold of acceptability. And sometimes when we think about what is an acceptable gift to God, we think in those terms. But generally when the Bible, uh, actually always when the Bible talks about, as far as I can tell, when it talks about an acceptable gift, it's actually talking about something not just, just barely good enough. It's talking about something that's pleasing, something that satisfies, something that, that, that brings pleasure to God. Uh, Isaiah talks about a fast that is acceptable and pleasing to God, and on and on. It, it, it means pleasing and satisfying. That is the acceptable gift. So not every gift is the same. And, and there are certain gifts to God that are acceptable and others that God has no regard for. What he did with Abel's gift, literally, he gazed at it. He looked intently at it. But when Cain brought his gift, he didn't look intently at it. 
And there are some clues as to perhaps why. Abel's gift was pleasing to God. Abel's gift was pleasing to God. We see other examples uh, just a couple of chapters later. Noah, when the, the great flood is done and the waters recede and Noah and his family get off the boat... One of the first things they do is offer a sacrifice to God. And and the Bible describes it as the sweet, pleasing aroma that wafted up to heaven. Noah was an example of a pleasing sacrifice. Animal sacrifices throughout the whole Old Testament uh, system. There were certain animals that were acceptable to God in this system and certain ones that were not. They were pleasing to God. Even in the New Testament church, there were uh, times where sacrifices were given. Not animal sacrifices, but other ways. You might remember in Philippians chapter 4, when the Apostle Paul is writing to thank them for their help and their financial contributions in his ministry. And uh, that's where he, he talks about how he had learned a really great secret, a spiritual secret in life, and it's the secret of contentment. And he said, whether my life has a whole lot or I have a very little, in any season of life, I've learned the secret of contentment. And here it is, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can navigate myself through any and every situation because God is my strength. Jesus is my captain and I go forward with him. And then he goes on talking after those verses to the Philippians, thanking them for their participation in his ministry. And here's what he says in Philippians 4. He says, not that I'm looking for a gift. He says, but I'm looking for a way... I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. So he's thanking them and he's saying, I'm doing great because of the gifts that you've sent, the financial help you've sent. He says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So for some reason, God looked at Abel's sacrifice and he gazed upon it and and he received it with gladness. It brought pleasure to him, but Cain's sacrifice, his offering, did not. Now, scholars have debated why it might be. There are some hints in the text, but it's not real uh, obvious right on first glance. But it does say that Cain, he brought some of his, as a farmer, he brought some of his crops to the Lord and placed them before the Lord. But the description of Abel's offering is a little different. It's a little bit more descriptive. It says that Abel brought fat portions. Now, in these days, those days back then, fat was a good thing. It meant ample. It meant good. It meant well-fed. I know we hear fat today. We don't like the term. It's a negative term. But when Abel brought fat portions, it was he was bringing the best of what he had. He wasn't holding the best back for himself. He was bringing the best to God. And it was the first fruits from that which was born. Never guaranteed it might be others, but bringing out of faith the first fruits and the very best of what he had. So there are some hints in the text that that's likely the reason God accepted. God looked upon favorably Abel's offering, but not Cain's. Because it seems perhaps that Cain brought something. Obviously it was unacceptable. And it likely wasn't something that mattered to him. You see, the girl in in our story who brought the plastic donut, she was giving her father a gift that mattered to her. 
And when she did so, do you think it mattered to him? It did. And so when Abel brought a gift that mattered to him, I think it it mattered to the Lord and it was acceptable to God. It was acceptable. There was once a man who was young, he was in his late 20s. He worked in the tech industry, had a great, fantastic apartment as a single man in San Francisco, living his life, just bought his new mini SUV, had it all, all decked out, all the bells and whistles, the top of the line class. He loved it, spent a lot of money on it. He enjoyed using his money, enjoying the life that, that uh, he had. He met a lady and uh, he was beginning to like her. And in fact, he got to the point where he wanted to propose to her and they went out to dinner one night and, um, he was usually pretty free with his spending, and she got really excited that she was ready to marry him too. And he pulled out a little box out of his pocket, her heart began to beat. She got really excited, and he opened this ring up, and he offered it to her. And as they began to talk, somehow um, it was known that he had paid $200 for this engagement ring. $200. The way the story was reported to me is that this woman was not materialistic. She, that the price didn't matter as much as the gift. He said, well, he, he kind of began to defend himself. She said, don't, don't you love me? Don't you love me enough to give me a gift that actually matters and has some value? I see all the other ways you spend your money on things that are really important to you. And what, what sort of communication is this gift? with this request communicating to me. And he, he said, hey, it, it, it's the heart that counts, right? Not the gift. <laughs> We're going to come back to that in a minute. <laughs> it's the heart that matters. Right? Sometimes in our giving to God, that, that's an absolutely true statement, if it's understood rightly. <laughs> Here's what happens, I think, in the church sometimes. Is that we, we say, you know what, I, we try to limit our giving because we're saying, ah, God knows I love Him, and it's the heart that matters. It's the thought that counts. And, you know, to, to a degree, that, that's true if the heart is right. But sometimes we use that statement as a shield to prevent us, perhaps, from uh, giving um, something that actually matters to us. Over this series, we're going to look at four key insights that I think we see over and over through the Scripture. And we're going to look at at the first one today. And um, that first one is this, that the amount, the amount matters. The amount matters. Now, this may be different than the other stewardship sermons that you've heard. And it's different than any that I've, I've preached before. But I want to explain to you why the amount matters. One reason is that amounts that matter are amounts that are costly. You might remember in Second uh, Samuel, uh, David. There's uh, King David is on the throne, and there is a, a, a plague going through the land. And King David is instructed to go to a particular area and to build an altar and to offer a sacrifice to God. And the landowner there wants to give the land to David. And David says, "I cannot accept this gift from you because." I cannot offer a sacrifice to God that costs me nothing. So the amount does matter. 
Yes, it's a matter of your heart, absolutely. And we're going to talk more about that in the days to come. But the amount matters because an amount that matters is an amount that is costly. It costs something from you to do. Just like the man who gave the, the engagement ring to his ho- who he hoped to be his wife, she did not think that that was a costly gift. Not because she wanted a big ring, but because it reflected that the, the amount, the gift didn't matter really to him. And therefore, she didn't know if she really mattered to him. So the amount matters. Amounts that matter are costly. Amounts that matter, now hear this, amounts that matter come in all sizes. They come in all sorts of sizes. You might remember the story when Jesus is with his disciples and they're sitting outside the the temple. And back in that day, they didn't pass offering plates around during worship services. They they would have big receptacles at a certain spot uh, around the temple. And when people came, they would put their coins into these receptacles. And that was their offering. And some people liked to go to the bank and they would get um, rolls of pennies. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. Because you could make a lot of noise with the coins, and the more coins you had, it you looked like you were very generous. And so these people, these wealthy people would come, and they, they would make a lot of noise, a lot of fuss about their offering. And then Jesus watches as this goes on and on. Multiple people come by, and then this very poor widow comes by. And she gives like half a penny. It's all she has. And Jesus commends her giving, but not the others. Because the amount mattered. But the amount comes in all different sizes. And we're going to learn um, in our series about the idea of ability giving. Giving according to your ability. Not everybody has the same ability to give the same types of gifts. The question for you today and for me is to ask ourselves, are the gifts that I give pleasing to God? The amount matters. And amounts that matter, they're costly. Amounts that matter... Uh, come in all sorts of sizes, and amounts that matter engage the heart. If the amount you are giving matters to you, it's likely going to matter to God. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? When he said, where your treasure is, where are you going to find your heart? Right there where the treasure is, right? So whatever you value is inevitably like a tractor beam. You watch sci-fi movies? You know the ships, the big ship, and they can get these tractor beams and pull in the smaller ship? The thing that you value most in your life, it's going to be drawn like a tractor beam. Your heart will go there. You can't help it. You can't work and ask the Lord to change the things that are valued by you most. But it is an absolute truth in every culture. What you value is where your heart will go. What you value most is where you'll spend your time. What you value most is what you give your energy to, what you value most. So the amounts that matter will engage your heart. And here's the great thing, is that when you give something to God that matters to you, it's going to matter to Him, and part of that is an acceptable gift. And when you give an acceptable gift, it also brings delight to your heart as well. When... um, The Apostle Paul, back in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, is talking. There had been a famine in Jerusalem and uh, around that region. And he had been taking up a collection uh, from the Greek churches. And uh, he was encouraging them not to forget that which they had committed to give and to not delay. And here's what he says. It's so amazing. Listen, hear the word joy. He says, these people 
who had given gifts. He says, he's holding them up as an example. He says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So you see, when you give gifts that matter, it brings joy to your heart as well. Why? Because it's like giving God this plastic donut and watching Him delight in the gift that He gives. Because it connects your heart to God. You know, God God does not need you or me to add to His savings account. That's not why God invites you and me to participate regularly in giving to things. The reason that, that we are not, I mean, there's multiple reasons, and maybe we'll get into them. I preach a lot of different sermons and series. Here's what I want you to know today, is that the invitation to give is not even to give primarily to support a church budget. It's not to give primarily to support a pastor's salary, but it's an opportunity for you. As I read the scripture over and over again, it's an opportunity when you give something that matters to you and you give it to the church, you give it to a ministry, whatever it is, that it becomes a personal gift to God, and He receives it with joy and delight. It becomes an acceptable gift. It's like Abel's fat portions out of the first fruits of His work. That's the giving that matters to God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. This is, it makes giving a joy and not a burden. It makes sharing financially in the work of the church a joyous opportunity. And not just something that I have to, at the end of the year, I better look at my taxes, and if I haven't given my 10%, then boy, I better pony up. That's not the way I don't think God would intend you and I to give. Just merely out of discipline. That's a good thing, though. Discipline's good. But that's not the only reason we give. Because if that's the only reason we give, then instead of giving the gift and jumping up and down with glee that we get to share with our Father in heaven, it's, oh, here I go again. I've got to do this or God's not going to be pleased with me. If I don't do this, then I won't get the blessing from God. I don't think that's the way God intends you and me to understand giving. Giving is an opportunity to connect your heart with the heart of God. What could be better? It's your opportunity. Don't miss it. Yeah, we're going to be talking in the days to come about our... Uh, you probably received a letter about uh, your opportunity to commit yourself financially this coming year. And yeah, we do have a budget to, to meet and all of that, of course. But God invites you to give because He wants your heart and your life to be connected with His heart and His life. As we head out today, there's a, a few... Questions I just want to leave with you. Maybe you want to jot these down. Some things you might leave here thinking about today, or at least remembering. Number one, is that I can give gifts that delight the heart of God. I can give gifts that are either acceptable or unacceptable to God. I think that's just true over and over. We could open up to the the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. Why were they literally struck dead? Because of their unacceptable gift. Is it because God is a tyrant? No, it's because they they gave an unacceptable gift and then they lied about it. And on and on. Go back and read the story in in the book of Acts. You and I can give gifts that delight the heart of God. Number two is that you and I need to determine if we are giving an amount that matters. 
Are you giving an amount that matters to you? Because if the amount doesn't matter to you, I don't care if you're giving a million dollars or ten million dollars, if the amount doesn't matter to you, I'm not sure how much it's going to matter to God. You could give a ten million dollar gift and we could build a new building here, but is that a gift that would be acceptable to God? That's for you and the Lord to determine. Not for me to tell you that. Number three, when I give, whether online or through a check or even taking cash out of my wallet, am I taking an opportunity to connect with God? Am I letting it be just, uh, here I go, i got to give again. You know, i got my paycheck, got to write my tithe check, and there it goes without a second thought. Well, anyway, I don't want to say too much. Now I'm going to be quiet. Those are the questions. I hope you'll take a moment this week and do some reflecting on them. We're going to build on this idea. If you're not sure you're going to be here the next couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to do your best to be here because these ideas are going to build and grow on each other. And I think by the end of our time, you're going to be so blessed with trying to look at giving as I, the way I think God gives it to us, the way God views your giving. Okay? God doesn't need your money. You know what God wants? He wants you. He wants to walk with you and to relate with you. And one of the great ways you do that is through your giving in a joy-filled, regular way. Remember what the Bible says? That God loves what kind of a giver? Cheerful. Cheerful. What does it say again? Cheerful. A cheerful giver. You mean I can release my money to God happily? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you can. You can. God invites you to. For your good, not out of his need, but for your good in the work of the kingdom. Father, we pray this morning that you you would help us in this matter. And God, I never want to lay anybody with the guilt or burden, but we just hope that we could open your scripture and hear your word. And uh, God, if, if anything's wrong, would you correct it? But God, we want to delight your heart and we want to give gifts that matter. We want to give gifts that that are shared in your kingdom's work. And we want to give gifts that connect my heart with you and connect my life with you. So help me to do that. Help me. Help me to examine my giving and to ask myself this week, am I giving in a way that matters? Because if it doesn't matter to me, it likely doesn't matter all that much to you. If it's not the fattened portions and the first portions then it likely doesn't matter to you. If it's the leftover of my life after I've paid my mortgage and my car and all my other bills and gone out to movies and bought dinners out and done all these vacations and everything else, and then I say, well, this is all I have left over. I don't know if that is an acceptable gift. But God, maybe it's not for me to say. We invite your Holy Spirit to probe each of our hearts in this matter and unlock the freeing reality that giving is an opportunity to connect my life and my heart with you. Teach us, guide us, we pray, Jesus, in your name and for your sake. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? We've got one last song to sing. We're going to sing all the verses of it as a song of reflection back to God, uh, of giving your whole life back to Him. Let's sing together. Mm -hmm.